how you learned. You just had to not die. I showed up and I just felt whether I succeeded or failed, it was based on me, not whether I was a woman. Host a podcast. Maybe you've never done that. It'll be fine. What could go wrong? Welcome to Tagline. Pour a cocktail and join us for inspired conversations with the best storytellers, culture makers, and creators. Presented by our friends at Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Do stuff and don't wait. Go for it. Like, go for it today. Tagline is produced by iHeartRadio in partnership with Advertising Age. Welcome to this very special episode of Tagline. I'm Gail Troberman, CMO of iHeartMedia, and today we've assembled an awesome group of kick-ass women in advertising, music, entertainment, media, and all things creative. And we're going to talk about the very simple yet insanely complicated topic of women and creativity. All right. Should we get started? Let's get started. All right. Let's do it. So with us today, we have Val DeFebo, CEO of Deutsch New York. Val's a rare breed in the advertising business. She's actually been at Deutsch for 25 years and CEO for eight of those years. That is longevity. <laughs> Amazing. We're going to talk about what it takes to survive in the ad business. I'm also happy to welcome Lori Feldman, EVP of Strategic Marketing at Warner Brothers Records. And Lori's the mastermind behind pairing the label's biggest stars, people like Michael Buble, Gary Clark Jr., Andra Day, Lucas Graham, and on and on and on with some of the most amazing brands to create content and marketing and partnerships that drive results in new and innovative entertaining ways. She's worked with brands like Citibank, Chrysler, Pepsi, and many, many more. And also, we have the fabulous Tiffany Rolfe. Tiffany's a partner and chief creative officer at Co Collective. She leads their content and community practice, and she's been doing some crazy good work lately for clients like ACLU, YouTube, IBM, Puma, and on and on and on and on. So these are women who know a thing or two about working hard, making great creative products, innovating, revolutionizing, and surviving day to day. It kind of came to my mind when we were thinking about this episode. Uh, do you think of the advertising industry as still a male-dominated culture, or do you think that's changing? You know, in my little bubble, it has not been that way. And so I've been extremely lucky that there have been a lot of powerful, wonderful women, not only in the agency, but on the client side. So we've been very That's a lucky. compliment, right? That's it is me. a compliment. Yeah, okay, awesome. I was a client. You were a client, and, um, and it made a difference. Uh, I think when I leave this little bubble that I'm in and I see other agencies, and when I go to bigger meetings where there are other CEOs, I am definitely still the minority in the mm -hmm. room. Um, and I would say even on the client side, there are not a lot of women in the very senior positions. There are women in marketing departments, but not in the very senior position. It still is tough. I think the statistics would bear that out, that um, women are still underrepresented, particularly as you get up to the C-suite in both probably client side and agency side. And Laurie, what do you think about that in the music business? Also predominantly male-dominated culture still? Predominantly male, particularly up in C-suites, for sure. But there's some absolutely fantastic, tremendous, incredible women in the music business, both on the business side and on the artist side. I don't want to name names, I guess, but <laughs> I've had lots of women that I looked up to, sought advice from. I never really had a mentor like that, mm -hmm. but people have arrived in my life at the right time, women in this business who are just extraordinary. And I don't think there's such a shortage of them. 
people want a fresh perspective on their business. They want to relate to women in new ways. Women are consumers and the bigger of the consumers. And so it feels like there's been a good ask. And I think the industry has been catching up. I think it's opened up for new sorts of voices. And, and even as I look at how can I help women become leaders, I have to look beyond the way I lead. Mm-hmm. And maybe the way I lead isn't the best model for every awesome. woman out there. You know, I mean, it's a way I look at amazing, talented women on my team and maybe they're not as vocal or tough or they don't cuss as much as I do or whatever <laughs> it is, but they have this kind of quiet power. We have to all allow for different kinds of leadership to happen. And that's how I think you get to great work and work that appeals to a broader set of people and, and not just creating our own bubbles, as we've seen, we've gotten ourselves mm-hmm. into trouble for. And uh, so I think we're now at a time where we're recognizing the need for diversity of all kinds. It's really hard to look at a leader who's different from the way you are and the way you've succeeded, because many times I'll think when I look at someone, they're never going to survive in that room, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And how can I back them up so that when helmets, I get them... Helmets, everyone. Exactly. <laughs> right? You know, you got to speak up. Otherwise, they'll eat you alive. Yeah. And I think that's important to make sure that you give people at least what you know mm-hmm. about what it takes to be successful. Maybe things will change. But for right now, I think if you're a silent leader, it's very hard in a room full of alligators. <laughs> the one question that occurred to me as you guys were talking, we were all talking about the risks and how hard it is and how the responsibility is on us to nurture, to hire right, to mentor. I wonder if in the men's episode they'd start here. Never. <laughs> achievements. Achievements. Yeah, achievements, achievements goals. So tell me about your awards. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I remember being, you know, starting at Crispin out of school and I was thrown into like an edit, thrown into a meeting. And like, that's how you learned. You like, you just had to not die. You know? Not die. <laughs> and, and I think it kind of worked, but the way that young people expect a leader to relate to them and the kind of feedback that you need to give along the way the importance that is already kind of baked in, which you kind of want to say, how did they earn this? But I also want to learn from them. They're very confident. They know what they want. If what they're doing, they don't think matters, then they're out of there. And there's something for us to learn, I think, from that as well. And an amazing, I think, talent there. But you just have to figure out a new way to sort of harness that and actually listen and learn and Mm -hmm. kind of evolve as well, because they're the ones living in the world. And we're just sort of like now happy to be a part of it. (laughs) It's true. true. There is a different workforce. Do you think the workforce is more equal as you look at that next generation coming up, either statistically or power-wise? It's funny. I am at a different place. I went from a place that was, I would say, more male-dominated. I'm now at a place where, like, the last two pitches I was in— we're like all women. We have Rosemary, who's our CEO, is a woman. And I have a pretty female team to the point where everyone's, we hire too many women. There's more of an equality there in terms of people coming up with the roles that they play. And I haven't found that that sort of consistent all male within the creative community, at least, feels like the same within the younger generation of people. And, and I don't know what really is sparking that, but hopefully it's us that have been here for a while creating better environments for that. It's interesting, though, to be in a time where there are so many initiatives around women like, yeah, I was going to mention that. It too. almost is like, I think some of the younger 
women at my company kind of hate that a bit as well, right? That there has to be this sort of initiative because in their minds are like, I'm here, I'm confident, I'm doing my thing. And it's almost for the older generation of people that still sort of need that push. I don't know what I always feel about it. Sometimes I think it was necessary, but at the same time, I wish we didn't have to make such a big deal out of it. I wish that it just sort of naturally happened rather than being forced to be like half of your directors have to be this way and half of your board members have to be this way. Ideally, people are getting chosen for the right skills and the right reasons. And so you don't want to feel like you were put into a place because you were meeting you some quotas quota or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, totally. But I guess it was kind of a necessary step because it wasn't happening on its own. I think ideally we'll get to a place, and I think with the younger generation, they're already sort of moving that way, where that will dissolve and it will just be the norm, hopefully. I honestly felt mm-hmm. like when I was getting started, I didn't even understand that there was this issue with women in the workforce. I had never been brought up to think that. My father always told me I could achieve whatever I wanted in my life. Like I never understood that there was perhaps any boundary or barrier at all. I showed up and I just felt whether I succeeded or failed, it was based on me, not whether I was a woman. Strangely enough, now my entire team is women. And I didn't set out for it to be that way. It just sort of happened. And we're a fantastic, happy, highly achieving, (laughs) emotive, awesome team. But I was meeting with a client the other day, and I happened to mention to her that my whole team is women. And she looked at me, and she's like, you need to diversify your team. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're not speaking to just women. It's true. You know, and it's really stuck in my head, so now I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah, we'll be here in five years, and it will be like all men going, like, how can we get more (laughs) men in the the workplace? But I do think the millennials, the, the younger people at work, I sort of look at them as I felt about myself, which was they're not thinking that there's some barrier to their success. I think that that's sort of a learned thing as you move up in the world, whatever you choose. And all of this effort that's being put forth in a very public way now to support women in the workplace, I think is definitely making the younger women at work question, what's going on here? You know? Yeah, is all wait, this necessary? Like, what's I didn't happening? Know there was a I didn't realize no that. One told me yeah. There was a so, no, for us, the negative. millennials definitely need, want more feedback more quickly. They want to know when they do a great job. They want to know when they sucked at something. And that's good. Yeah, I think it's great. And it's teaching leaders like us mm-hmm. to give feedback more often. And that's males and females. Yeah, so I think there's a generation. They, yeah, they they're definitely all, they're all similar. Yeah. They, want, yeah. they want to know how they're doing all the time. But I think what that's also done is it's given the females a chance to come in and say, what do I have to do to be you? That's the question I get most often. What do I have to do to be you? And I'm like, I'd worried. like to be you too. Yeah. <laughs> being honest here. I like to be all of us, actually. This is a kind of cool group. Uh, but like Lori, I showed up every day, did my work. My dad said, you could be whatever you want to be. And I believed him. Mm-hmm. So I worked hard and I got promoted. I was very lucky that I had a boss that was very supportive of that. I'm not sure all women do. And when they ask that question, they ask specifically, do I have to not have kids? Wow. Should I not take yeah. time off? Oh, yeah. It's definitely still a thing. I mean, seriously. Well, it's that's a thing. like, I think, the bigger issue. It's almost beyond sort of gender. And it's really like our industry. I waited a long time to have kids. I have kids now. But it's not easy. And sometimes I ask myself, would I want this for someone else? I've had some other women friends that are in this and creatives that have chosen not to. A lot of the most senior women I know that I'm great friends with have had to make choices to sacrifice that. How do we set a better example? Because I don't think that you should have to make those sacrifices. How for men and women can we make this industry that we're in a place where you 
don't feel like you can't be in it because you're a woman and that means you can't have kids or even a man can't have as much of a role in his children's life. It's expected to travel a certain amount of time. And so beyond gender, I think the bigger issue is how do we actually create an environment where people want to work? These young people want to do stuff that matters. They aren't going to sacrifice their lives for their work, like in the same way that maybe we did as we started out. And if we can't create an environment where they can have all of those things, then we will lose that talent. And we already are. And so I think it goes beyond sort of the the man-woman thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I had my son, Brian, he's only 12, and I've been doing this a long time. So when I had my son, I was kind of older. And people at work said it was the best thing that you could have done because it said to us that we could balance and still be achievers. And I still struggle with that. You know, I'm not balanced. I don't know what that means. Juggling. I don't know what that. (laughs) All I know is I'm constantly making choices and I hope I make good ones every day. But it was a good thing for all of our employees that I could show them that I could go to a doctor's appointment with my son or go to a basketball game Mm -hmm. and still get my job done. Yeah. You know, you you can't not do your job, but you got to be able to take the parts of your life that are important to you. It's not just about kids. I had a funny learning moment around that where I used to think I had to be there late night with everyone and I had to work the long hours and be on email at 3 a.m., which I sometimes still am, let's just say. But I had someone come to me and say, I don't want you to check your email. I don't want you to be here late with me. Like, I want to know that at some point when I'm you, I'm not doing that. So please don't. (laughs) And that was a realization where I was like, wait a minute, I thought that was being supportive when in fact I'm not setting a great example for where they might want to be. And it was a big realization, wait, I need to care for myself too, because I'm not creating a vision of a leader that they want to be. As senior women in your businesses and your industries, like, do you feel pressure to be role models? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. All the time. For everyone, for the kids, for the employees, (laughs) you know, for sort of everyone around. I feel like we set an example every day as senior members of our companies, as parents, as women, as creative individuals and people are watching and we cannot forget. So every, every choice we make even is more so important. now. There's microphones and cameras. <laughs> and I think people, when they look up to you and you're a leader, they model your behavior. So whether or not you see yourself as a role model, they are – if you blow your stack at someone <laughs> or you start cursing in the hallway when someone does something wrong, they think that's okay. So then they do it. Mm -hmm. So I think even if you don't see yourself as a role model, you better know that people are watching you for how to behave. And that goes for at home and and it goes for at work too and on boards that you sit on, whatever. I think it's important to be real about what it takes, that it isn't easy always. Mm-hmm. I was telling the story, like there was one moment. It's I not was, easy. You make it look awesome. <laughs> I, know. I need to post more <laughs> terrible photos on my social feeds. But there was one moment where I was like in my closet hiding from my children on like a hangout. And I was trying to light it, like sit in a way where it looked like I was in a normal space, not hiding in my closet. And my like door opened and my one-year-old walked in and I'm like, the video just went out. I think it's important to show the struggles as well. And then how do you create conditions where those struggles aren't happening too frequently, right? I gave a speech at this young female entrepreneurs event and I realized I was like going on third. Everything I thought would be interesting and useful for these women is so not. And I just <laughs> talked about like every time I like made a mistake and stumbled into everything and I realized my entire career had really been stumbling. And some woman came up to me after and she was lovely and she was in her early 20s and she had her own startup and she came up to me and she said, oh my God, that was so amazing. She's like, after listening to you, I am going to go home and I have seven life plans. I'm going to rip up two of them. 
And I was like, oh, my God, this is a new world. <laughs> wow. I know. It, it really is a generation. I didn't have one life plan. plan. Exactly. I know. I, I, I was still working plan. on one. <laughs> I think we're going to take a little cocktail break. Time to take a break with our friends from Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Our friends from Diageo have an amazing mixologist that is coming in to greet us. Her name is Jessica Gonzalez. She is breaking the mold in her own field as one of the leading female mixologists. She pushes the creative frontier every day. And I'd like to welcome her here and maybe ask Jessica when she gets us all poured what she has cooked up for us today. Jessica's worked at some of the most renowned establishments in New York City. She's received a James Beard Award, which is crazy impressive, and multiple nominations from Tales of the Cocktail. So I'm excited to hear what you've got here for us today. a better job than I do. All yours, Jessica. (laughs) Hi. So, yeah, so I decided to do something a little bit inspired by, say, Mother Earth. So I used chamomile, you know, the earth flower, and... I really want to do something that was a little bit against the idea of uh, the feminine cocktail. I so love that. It's not, not the, like, fruity girly and drink. It's not pink. It doesn't taste <laughs> sweet. It's about enjoying whiskey. There's no foam. And no foam? There is a <laughs> I'm not drinking it. Simple, like, old-fashioned variation. Definitely, it's a spirit-forward kind of drink. Something for somebody who loves bullet. Chamomile is, like, a really nice sort of cohesive whiskey pairing. What's it like for you being a female mixologist? You know, tends to be a fairly male industry. It does. I mean, things have really changed and moved very forward in, I think, the past, like, 10 years. And I've been doing this for 20. I've seen a real progression, and it's actually really refreshing to see. Do you take a lot of risks? Like, do you try things and then say, oh, that doesn't work? Absolutely. Yeah. You have to. This cocktail, now that this gorgeous ice it's cube awesome. has melted a little, is delightful. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's advertising, right? It's now that she's marketed the cocktail to us, we understand the chamomile reference. I thought I only yeah. liked vodka. coming from the vodka drinker. Now she's like, bullet, she's bullet, sold. Me and bullet. <laughs> Making friends on the frontier. Well, thank you tons, Jessica. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, please. Yeah. Cheers. Awesome Congratulations. You. Thank you. So, uh, you know, I, I saw this um, for International Women's Day. There was an agency in Sao Paulo that actually released an app that detects when men interrupt women in a meeting. It kind of struck me as surprising. Like, do you think that's a big issue or is it an issue maybe we're less aware of than we should be? Apparently, it's quite an issue. And <laughs> I've actually heard that in Washington, it's abhorrent. It's <laughs> constant. And there are women keeping track in meetings of how often. There's also a new process. I forget what it's called where you mm-hmm. repeat. Mm-hmm. The women in the room repeat. Yeah, so what there's the a woman whole said. Uh, oh. philosophy where when the woman says something, another woman in the room, if there is one, you're expected to repeat and give credit and just start to build a bit, like almost double up on it. And yep. that's something that is starting to be practiced in meetings a lot. Read a lot really about that, yes. Yeah. I interrupt. And I'm trying to be better at it. And I don't know if it's because I had to. Like, yeah. I'm trying to think yeah, all the pieces yeah, together. Yeah. Some of those Crispin meetings. It's yeah. probably a life and, skill you um, had to learn. And so then I don't know if I'm judged as interrupting more because a woman, for me, it goes back to fourth grade. And my teacher thought I talked too much in class. Oh, and wow. I literally was put on the other side of the room. I somehow got through the interruption thing by being worse 
have had it, <laughs> but it's something I need to work on. Learning bad you, behavior is that your advice to women out there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, I, I think interruption's a problem. I also think, and maybe it's just because there are more men in the room generally, they'll repeat what you say and get credit for the idea, Dude, which that is happens. so interesting. That's the reason like, why the women repeat. Just said that. I that's why I yeah. call them out on it. I'm I like, do. thank you for saying that for me again. You said it slightly differently right. than I did. I think most people might just... I love just, that you take credit back. I that's take credit awesome. back. But people will literally be like, oh yeah, John said, I'm like, yeah, yeah, hello, I said that. And he repeated <laughs> There was a Black Mirror episode, Black Mirror, I don't know if you watched it, it's like the worst things that can happen with technology, but one of them was... It recorded and um, documented like everything anyone said, but it made you crazy because you could go back and rewatch things and dwell over them. But I was like, that would be amazing to be able to re-record and see, like, see, I did say it first and have proof of it because I, I feel like it does happen a lot. Part of my job as a creative director is to make other people on my team feel like things are their ideas. So I tend to present things like, well, what if we and it. You also, though, have to make sure you maintain sort of control over that idea mm-hmm. or then things in the end get attributed back to your involvement on a project, you know. And so I think, you know, it's something that we all have to learn. When I have someone on my team who's brilliant, but she's super quiet and soft-spoken, I didn't even realize that that was a thing where you repeat. And I kind of naturally would, like, stop and be like, wait, what did you say? And have her repeat it again. So I think there are some practices that are starting to happen. And I don't know where that comes from, if it's just sort of a natural evolution thing that's happened, but it apparently is a big thing. It's funny. Microsoft was an engineering culture, so there were definitely generally more men in most rooms than women. It's funny. It would happen where you'd say something and then someone else would repeat it and it would get momentum. I always took it as a win. I'd always be sitting there going, yes, that got heard. That got through. That's like actually going to impact things. I think you do as long as there's a way that doesn't prevent you from becoming the leader. Let's say you are. From getting credit eventually where it matters. I don't mind as much now because I'm the boss with a creative, a young person in the room. If I'm not listening or, you know, when I was coming up, if I didn't get credit for that, people would think my partner did it. I wouldn't maybe get promoted. They would be the one put on a project. So I think it does matter when you are more junior and when you are sort of establishing your voice and your role. At some point, our job as leaders is to let people's ideas lead, whoever they come from, just get great work. And it doesn't matter as much. But I think we have a role to help those voices get credit and get heard. It's an interesting business. The creative side of advertising has so often been about credit, yeah. right? Who made that, mm-hmm. right? Because there's something at the end of the day. And I think, Tiffany, you said earlier, right, so many people are touching a piece of work, a campaign, yeah. in yeah. so many different Absolutely. formats now. That idea of credit, it's uh, harder and harder to find. There, yeah, there's a balance. Yeah, like Even true. with clients, you want to have clients feel like it's their idea or own it, have ownership over things. But you also don't want to have so much credit there that they're like, wait, what did you do here? Why are we paying you? So there's a balance to going, we're adding value, but at the same time, we're collaborative and we're shaping this together, not being so sort of separate from the idea that they are confused as to like why you're in the room. (laughs) There's a fine balance there, I think, with credit and collaboration that happens. Speaking of clients, do you think it's easier for women on sort of the client side of marketing or the agency side? Is there a difference? You know, we have a couple of, and, and you were one, but we have a couple of clients who pain are Pain in the ass female, clients who are helped. Pain in the yeah. ass CMO yeah. clients. Yeah. No, not pain in the ass, but I think when the CMO at a client is a female, all of the females who work for them have an easier time not not doing their work. They're not getting special treatment. Oh, those, yeah, yeah. All those spa trips we were taking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I, but I think they can see 
the path to leadership, and so they act mm-hmm. like leaders. And so I think that yeah, makes it easier for them. And I think the same thing happens on the agency side, which is why we see so few female executives in the C-suite. They don't have role models. If you're not in a company where a woman has a leadership position, you don't know how to behave yourself. In our company, I'm fairly outspoken, as you know. (laughs) And so that's worked well for me in that company. I'm not sure that I could work in another company and be like this and be successful. So in our company, our women know, if I want something, I better say what I want. I better say it straight. I better tell the truth. You know, that's how it works here. I'm not sure that would work someplace else. Yeah, yeah, the culture does dictate quite a bit what is and isn't going to be the norm. And and the politics. Our thing is tell the truth. Tell the truth. Just say it like it is. If you think that's a crappy idea, say that's a crappy idea and let's move on and let's get to a better place. It saves a ton of time. I think there's like something that happens. Let's say there's a a CMO – there's a male or a female, there's often this weird rumor that happens that's like, she only likes men. So it's like, great, the men don't like me, the women, like, who likes me, you know? <laughs> and I don't know if that's true or, like, why that perception is that the CMO, this female CMO, she doesn't like, she's threatened by other There's this weird rumor that, yeah, you know, is out there. Right? Yeah. Um, maybe it's true, but, like, how do we as women and leaders break that? And what is that? Where is that coming from? Because it's like... Well, great. So I'm a female leader that can't actually have a female client. And then if I have a male client, he likes me because of why. So there's just some weirdness that I think still exists around relationships. Yeah. And I remember when I was starting out at Crispin and they and hired a third female, they were like, oh, you threat. <laughs> you know, like, but it's yeah. not just you in town anymore. I should be, like, worried that she was going to take my job. I'm like, like, wait, that what? Is not the spot that for is female like, And it was just a joke, wow. sort of, but it yeah. was like a... There was this want to create tension or create a competition around it. I'm like, well, there's like 35 guys. Aren't you worried? You should be worried, you know? (laughs) And so it's funny how somehow there's still a little bit of this female, female tension that still gets sparked. And I try to be very cautious of that and make sure I don't ever give off that sort of vibe. Stereotypes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Our company is smaller than your guys. I mean, not yours, but yours. (laughs) There's a real sisterhood of women in the company definitely trying to organize around the younger women in the company, Mm -hmm. very heavily focused on that. But also, we sort of have two C-level jobs. We have a CEO and a CFO. Those are the only two Cs. And our CFO is a woman. And so pretty equal power at the top. And I think that that's quite an impressive situation that's going on there. She's the CFO, but she's involved in every facet of the company and with as many people as she can be involved with at all times. And it's probably a very unique situation, but she's been there about as long as I've been there. So I've not, I've not really seen anything else. We hit on that women supporting other women, right? I question there's a this new wave the of that now a, that's like yeah, great, there was, you know. There was already felt like, you know, there's some wave in this industry for a lot of women's panels and women's networks and women's dinners and yeah. mentoring programs. Yes. And it feels like fairly recently, right, over the last few years. And now there feels like there's even more energy and momentum on that. I always wonder, is the women's dinner accomplishing anything? Is it moving us forward? Yeah. Is it actually or helping? Or is it a silo still. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Early in my career, there were organizations in New York for women, and I refused to join them because I thought, right? (laughs) I thought, if I join this organization, I'm a woman in advertising. I'm not an advertising person. I've just put another sort of label on myself that I don't think I need. But now... I actually feel like I need to go be part of those organizations to help the younger women and, again, to be a role model. So I've changed my 
opinion about those things over mm-hmm. the years. But in the early days, I was like, there's no way. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't want to be yeah. in that small. Sort of it, but mm-hmm. made people realize, wait a minute, you You're are a woman. Right. No, <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> you are, and I'm going to treat you like one instead of you're doing what the rest of us are doing. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I grew up with three sisters, and a lot of people say, oh, sisters always fight, and they fight over clothes, and they fight over <laughs> boys or whatever. We never fought. So for me, this sisterhood thing is very natural to prop up the other women and to want to see them succeed. And I think that that's a very interesting insight into looking at people and how their family relationships worked because people who hate their sisters and are rivals with them have a tougher time with women at work. And you look at these less experienced women and you can say, I see something great there. I'm going to help them. That's the magic of a great leader. And by the way, I think you should do the same thing with the men. I'm not saying you should just reach down into the organization and pick out the women, the gems or the diamonds in the rough. There are men, too, that we should be pulling up. And then they will be more likely to also help women, which we need. We can't just have women helping women. Men should do it, too. So if they feel discriminated against or feel like they're not part of the thing, then when they get to be in those positions, they're (laughs) – yeah, I always wonder backlash. if there'll be a backlash against, yeah, you know, probably. every time you say you're going to a women's panel or a women's dinner or something, there's always that, well, where's the men's dinner? Yeah. Right? Where's the men's network? I think one of the good things that comes out of it is it, it just forces you to, like, pause for a minute and go, oh, let's help some people. Yeah. Let's pause just in the craze of the pace we run at and to stop and go, wait, this is a moment to pause and not go to dinner to close some business or make some money or sell an idea. But this is a moment to go to a dinner and actually think about helping other people. I do yeah. think we're at the cusp of this morphing into more of a, a broad-based mentoring and a, right. an approach I, to help You know, us. it's interesting because my sort of bosses and partners, Ty and Rosemary, were co-CEOs of JWT and now they're co-CEOs here. Rose said for many years, Ty would get asked to speak at an innovation or whatever conference, and she would be asked to be on the women's panel. <laughs> and she's like, we're, this, like, we're doing the same job. These conversations are important, but it's also important just to have diversified conversations together, too. So you start to learn, I think, about different perspectives, but on the same topic, making sure that there are different voices represented when you're just talking about whatever it is, rather than them always having to be, I think, about women plus, you know? Yeah. 10, 15, however many years from now, I would like for people to say about me, she was a great leader, not she was a great leader who was great for women. Yeah. That would yeah. be half would my be job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope that in doing what we're doing, we're helping women to become leaders, but we are serving as leaders for the entire industry. That's at least what I try to do every day. And I think it's important because I think that's what leadership's about. Do you have one piece of advice for women in these industries today, advertising, media, creative, music, entertainment? I guess... I would go back to when I first started and I was just doing me, you know, <laughs> just I think me. just I like that. <laughs> do you be the best you that you can be sort of climb the mountain as you may. If you're doing the best that you can do and you're putting your best self out there every day and you're collaborating and you're doing your job to the best of your ability, then it will all fall into place and you will be satisfied in your work and your place of work will be satisfied with you if you do you the best you can. I mean, I, I think I um, do someone else. Who's your role model? <laughs> I mean, try to be like Val because she's a freaking <laughs> um, True. 
I remember when I was learning how to like present and young and trying to really like be something. I thought I had to be someone be else. Be Rob Riley. I'm from Oklahoma. I always say I'm a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. And to me, that was from who I am as a person. And if I give a speech, I don't rehearse it in that same way. I have to be a little bit raw and rough around the edges. And I think that clearly then shows people I have a point of view. I have an approach to things that's unique. And I think everyone in the creative business just wants someone to bring an interesting, different perspective. A little more Oklahoma in Manhattan. (laughs) Especially now, a little bit, knowing a little bit of Oklahoma is actually serving you well. Don't try to be this man that you be yourself. And how do you just strengthen that to the best that you can? Awesome. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because I'm me every day. (laughs) If I would just add to that, I would say do stuff and don't wait. Tomorrow, you can procrastinate and not get stuff produced. You can not get your ideas out. Go for it. Like, you have an idea, go for it today. Get the people who are going to support you, who may think differently than you, who are going to pressure test your idea, be devil's advocate, but get your dish done. Because that's what you're here to do, right? We all do this because we want to make things. We want to make things happen, and we want to make things. And so I think just doing it is really important. And as yourself, not somebody else's version of it, but your own version of that thing. Yeah, it's true. Host a podcast. Maybe you've never done that. It'll be fine. What could go wrong? <laughs> I've never done this before. <laughs> exactly. Leave the hell out of I, th- I think we're doing reasonably well. Congratulate ourselves. Cool. Uh, we have a new yes. job, ladies. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. We have a lot of radio stations. Yeah. Does anybody want to give the weather? Yeah. <laughs> One more question we always ask our guests on Tagline. What's your tagline? I already gave mine. Yeah? I didn't even realize. I'm a little bit country, a little bit rock Rock and roll. roll. Oh, there we go. I love a good Osmond reference. Yeah. I guess mine is I'm doing me. All right. Awesome. (laughs) I guess is mine must be do it now. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to do it with bourbon. (laughs) Thank you, guys. This was awesome. To women. To women. And whiskey. And whiskey. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I'm calling in with an addition to my tagline. Here's what I would like to say. Actually, my tagline is tell it to me straight. And the reason that I believe that is because I really want people to be honest all the time. And it's one of the things that I hold myself to. I think when you are really you and you let other people really be them, you get to the truth and you get to some fantastic work. Hopefully, I'll get to see the podcast soon. Bye-bye. Ariana Huffington, founder and CEO of Thrive Global. The current workplace culture, based on the macho notion that burnout is a sign of strength and dedication and that sleep and taking time to recharge are signs of weakness, is a huge detriment to creativity. When we prioritize our well-being, we are all, both women and men, much more able to tap into our inner source of creativity. Jacqueline Saturn, General Manager of Harvest Records and General Manager of Caroline. I'm asked a lot of time why almost all of my staff is women. Women have a more collaborative spirit. It's less about, oh, will this make me look weak if I include all these people in a meeting? And more about how I'm going to come with my army to come up with the most creative, smart strategy imaginable. 
the music industry always had women as assistants. They actually called them secretaries when I first started. So we were the ones that were writing reports, doing expenses, making reservations, covering shows, booking travel, attending the events to make sure our bosses got to the right places. Now it has become a way of life in the business to be a part of every aspect. We've always created an atmosphere of being inclusive. I think it's so important to make everyone feel that they have value. That's the spirit that I want to foster. Shelly Zalis, CEO, The Female Quotient, creator of The Girls Lounge. Gender equality is not a female issue. It's a social and economic issue. And both men and women are all important. We're all equal. We're just different. There's masculine and feminine styles of leadership, masculine in general, linear, analytic, directive, decisive, feminine qualities of leadership, nurturing, empathetic, innovative, creative, collaborative. Diversity is not about gender, race, or age. Diversity is about mindset. So by combining and integrating the masculine and feminine styles, we have our best work. Hello? Hey, is this Adam Schlachter? This is Adam. Hey, Adam. It's Gail. How are you doing? Good. How you doing, Gail? I'm awesome. I am calling you from the set of Tagline. Oh, cool. Yeah, where are you? I'm in London. You are in London. It's late there, isn't it? It is, but I kind of don't adjust, so it's whatever time, wherever you are. Ah, well, it is time for creativity. We were thinking you would make an awesome next guest on Tagline, so we're hoping to tag you in. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I'm flattered, yeah. and, I, and I'd love to be part of Awesome. I'm sure you will have some provocative questions for us on all things creativity that happen late night in London. So we look forward to having you. We should probably let you try to uh, pretend to get some sleep. But we're psyched to uh, talk creative with you in, uh, in the near future. That's wonderful. So am I. It's great. It's all audio in the podcast. So uh, no stylist, no makeup needed. I've always been told I have a face for radio. So. <laughs> I can relate. We're actually going to be recording an uh, upcoming episode at South by Southwest. And rumor has it you're going to be in Austin, hoping to hook up I there. I am going to be in Austin. I hate missing a South by, so I'm very excited that I'll be there and I'll get to join you guys. This will be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be awesome. It's a perfect backdrop for a creative conversation. So looking forward to seeing you. Awesome. I can't Hello. wait. And uh, I'll see you in a few days, I guess. Yeah, we'll catch you soon. Thanks, Adam. You've been listening to Tagline, presented by our friends at Bullet Frontier Whiskey at the Bullet Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. Please drink responsibly. We want to hear what you thought. Join the discussion on Twitter now by using the hashtag tagline. Catch all our episodes at iHeartRadio.com slash tagline in the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Audiation.